When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM New York. I'm Amani Toomer joined by Mike Tannenbaum, and we got into it last time, Mike, about the the, the talent uh, differential between the Cleveland Browns and um, and, uh, and the New York Jets. Man, it just seems like... The pass rusher, to me, has such a big impact on how uh, a defense app operates, that outside guy um, that the Jets just don't have. Well, I mean, it sounds like he's Superman because uh, when you don't have your top three tackles, <laughs> your, your fourth quarterback, your yeah. star receiver, your oh. star running back, a uh-huh. really good safety in Grant Delpit, yeah. and you could overcome all that because of one player. It sounds like Miles Garrett needs a race. I think he's going to get one, <laughs> but let's <laughs> let's get off of that and off of the Jets and let's go over to the Giants because they play today. Oh, the go with Rich Samini here. Um, uh, so we got uh, we got Rich Samini here for the Jets, and Rich, what say you about how things are going on with the with what the state of the New York Jets is? The fact that they have not been able to find a backup quarterback that gives them an opportunity to really win uh, win this season. I, I thought you forgot about me there for a second, Amani. Uh, <laughs> called on uh, the wrong time, some anti-jet bias here. But, uh, no, it's a good question because, uh, look, the Cleveland was in the exact same situation on their fourth quarterback, and mm-hmm. he's playing so well that I think they're ready, ready to erect statues of Joe Flacco in downtown Cleveland, and now – the Jets are playing out the string with Trevor Simeon. And, you know, Trevor hasn't done badly. I mean, it makes me wonder, going back, this is maybe a little uh, retracing some steps here, but, you know, why, what on earth did they see in Tim Boyle for a couple of games that they didn't see in Trevor Simeon? Maybe the Jets could have won one of those games where they started Boyle, but, uh, you know, that's over. We can't change that. But uh, Simeon's, he look, he's done okay i mean he hasn't really done great i mean he was a lot of pressure under this behind this offensive line the last couple of games but clearly the jets have more issues than the backup quarterback the the defense was just an absolute no-show in the first half and uh, and that's the most disappointing part about it because it's their defense there's no injuries that's their their defense they can't use any alibis you know for guys being out that that's the defense that they thought would be uh historical this year and it has been anything but Hey, Rich, you know, um, you, you're around the Jets every day. You're very thorough in, in how you approach your job. I thought you asked a really interesting question um, post game, where, you know, you, you asked the head coach, like, about his body language and his passion. And I just was curious if you could take us and our audience, you know, behind the scenes and why you asked that question and were you surprised at his answer? Uh, well, I mean, I w- it was. Ba- I, mean, I know a lot of fans uh, just from reading social media. I think they have an issue with Salah's sideline demeanor. That you know he doesn't show enough emotion. Really, my question was based on his uh, demeanor at the podium. Uh, he was re- giving re- more or less a very clinical, unemotional breakdown of what happened. And I thought to myself, and even I've seen him in the past, you know, be a little more upset after games, and this it almost seemed like you know, he wasn't showing any emotion, maybe on purpose, maybe just 
maybe he's just numb to the losing. So at the end of the press conference, I essentially asked him that you don't seem that upset. I'm wondering what's churning on the inside. And I don't think he understood the question. And then uh, he, he stormed off, you know, obviously saying that he would flip over. What do you want me to do, flip over a podium? So, yeah, I think it was a little bit out of character for him. And, uh, look, it's an emotional game. I totally get it. There's, you know, there's no, <laughs> no, no harm, no foul, you know. But that was really the genesis of it. it. It wasn't anything to do with what happened during the game. It was just more or less the way he was reacting in the press conference. He just seemed – you know, going through the motions. And, and I thought, let me ask him, you know, to try to, you know, find out what's really going on inside him. Uh, but, you talk- know, it's, okay. but yeah, just to follow up on that, mind for a second, like, I, I thought it was a really good question because, you know, like every team has something to play for pride or um, try to win the game to just evaluate players. It just seemed like that team sort of like, um, to your question, Rich, like that's sort of how they play. Like, and that's the old axiom, you know, like the team's going to take the lead of the quarterback and the head coach. And it just, um, they seem to lack passion, you know, and, and the easiest way for me to evaluate that is, you know, our 11 players on defense, you know, running as fast as they can to the ball. And that was pretty apparent, you know, their lack of effort. This yeah. Is the I mean, they were just, uh, they looked gassed all night, Mike. I don't know if it was the short week and the travel that had had something to do with it. The Jets have, and Sala mentioned this after the game, they're 0-4 on short weeks, and they've been outscored by a 2-1 to margin. Uh, obviously, it's something they're going to have to figure out because they're going to have a, some, a bunch of short weeks next next year, too, because Aaron Rodgers, they're going to get a bunch of primetime games again. And so he said he's tried three different practice schedules this week on short weeks. None of them have obviously worked, and it's something they got to get figured out because they're going to be in the same position next year. We're talking to Rich Samini, the Jets reporter. This is brought to you by London Jewelers. Um, now, Rich, I, I was always, when I was playing and the coaches kept changing things, it made me nervous. So if I was in that locker room, I'd be like, look, just pick a, a schedule and let us get used to it, and let, let's work it out. We'll figure it out. But to keep on switching practice schedules, it just lets the players know, it would let me know, that these guys don't know what they're doing. That's just the, the, what, what, listening to what you guys are talking about, that's what would come across my mind. Yeah, that is a really, really good insight from a player perspective. And, uh, you know, I'm sure maybe they, they are thinking that. You know, but you're looking for consistency among, among your head you know, coaches and front office people. And clearly in that particular area, they have not been. But I think on the list, I think on Salah's to-do list this mm-hmm. offseason, that's probably way down on the list. They have so many other things that they need to address, uh, starting with, you know, you just mentioned at the top, Amani. they got to find a backup quarterback. I, I do not believe Zach Wilson's going to play in the last game. I guess technically he's still in concussion protocol. I, I have a sense that probably he won't play, but, you know, I don't think he'll be back next year. So who's your backup quarterback? That's something they have to, you know, devote a lot of time to this offseason. they got to get the right guy. And just a litany of issues on offense, you know, just uh, personnel-wise with the line and a wide receiver and also – I think they need to re- – obviously Hackett's not going anywhere. They're going to keep him. But I think they just need to sit down and rethink this offense and make it less Rodgers-reliant. Uh, clearly they were built for Aaron Rodgers, but once he got hurt, they did not adjust at all. And and if they tried, then it just took too long. So they just have to rethink this offense as well in the offseason. Rich, do you expect a lot of changes on his staff? Well, he has been quoted publicly, Mike, as saying they're going to be no, that he expects no changes. Wow. Um, you know, there's always wow. there's always a couple. Um, now, you know how coaches speak, Mike. Um, you, know, you, you know, GMs do it too. As GMs speak, he said he doesn't expect any changes on his coaching staff. Uh, that doesn't mean that there will be none. But I think offensively, uh, I think you have to take a really hard look at that offense. I mean, it, it just was dysfunctional this year. I mean, they showed a little bit of a – it was amazing to me that they scored on their opening drive the other night. That was the first time all year that the Jets scored an offensive touchdown on their first possession. It only, you know, it only took them 16 games, uh, which is just utterly mind-boggling and, and speaks to preparation and game plan and everything of those nature. So, uh, but he says they're not going to make any changes. Um, I think Hackett will be back. 
because that's what Rodgers wants. But I find it hard to believe that a historically poor offense is going to come back completely intact. Yeah, this is an historically poor offense, and one of the main reasons why it has been so poor this season, it started with the first four plays of the season when Aaron Rodgers gets rushed and pulls, tears his Achilles. What are they going to do about this offensive line? What is the fix? Is it the offensive line coach? Are they going to go heavy in the draft? Are they going to go heavy in free agency? This is an area that they felt that Aaron Rodgers, being Aaron Rodgers, can make up for the fact that even through the hard knocks, they were talking about how poor the offensive line play was. What are they going to do about it next year to try and make sure to shore up one of the leakiest offensive lines in the league? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's got to be priority number one. I think there would have been a little better if Rodgers were there because certainly he could take some pressure off the line by you know, changing plays, recognizing coverages faster, getting rid of the ball quicker. That certainly would have helped. But I think they're already up to 60-something sacks this year. I don't think Rodgers would have helped uh, cut, him and cut that in half. Uh, so they're going to need uh, two tackles, I believe. I think there are only two starters that I believe are probably, you could say for sure, that are going to be starting. And that's Joe Tipman at center. And Elijah Vera Tucker will be back from his injury. He can play guard or tackle. So he gives you that flexibility. If, if you can't find two tackles this offseason, you could always move AVT to tackle. Uh, it's, it's easier to find a good guard than a good tackle. So that's a possibility. Uh, Dwayne Brown uh, is 38 years old. I suspect he will retire. He's on injured reserve now. Makai Becton will be a free agent. Uh, I thought he was having a really good year for the first maybe 10 or 11 weeks. I think perhaps the, the length of the season has affected him. I mean, he missed two years. So this is his first full season since his rookie year. And even his rookie year, he missed a couple of games. So um, he'll be a free agent. I do not expect him to be back. I think he'll probably play elsewhere next year. So I think they'll draft a tackle with their pick, which will be in the top 10. And I think they'll either they'll invest heavily in either a really good guard or a really good tackle um, to fill in another spot. That's a big to-do list, Rich. Where, where do you start if you're the Can Jets? You, I know. Can, can you do that in one off-season? I don't know. That's a pretty big. That's a heavy lift for one off-season. Uh, you know, you got. They have some depth players coming back, like Schweitzer and uh, you know Carter Warren, the rookie, has been playing some, but I don't think they see him as a starter. I think he's a guy you know want to keep as a backup. They have Max Mitchell as a backup. Uh, so they, you know, it's not like they're completely. They can fill out somewhat of a depth chart now. But they're just going to have to improve. I mean, they need three starters. That's really hard to get in one off season. Well, thanks a lot for for your for your insight in this uh, very tough time for the Jets after coming off a loss from the Cleveland Browns. Thanks a lot, Rich. All right, guys. Have a great New Year. Talk to you next. Yeah, happy week. New Year, Rich. Happy New Year. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. All right, so I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but there's some more reports out there um, in regard to the, the officiating and the play calling that came down to the wire with the Detroit Lions losing to the Dallas Cowboys last night. Apparently, Albert Breer is reporting that Dan Campbell apparently spoke to the refs pregame to prep them for this play. So, and they still called this. Yeah, Anita, I, I could give some insight on that. So Yeah, that's please, known, please. Yeah, that's that, that's known as the 90-minute uh, meeting. So what happens is the coach, um, I'd sit on these meetings most of the time, but front office, but head coach would sit down with two officials that come in. It's 90 minutes before kickoff. You give them with uh, your PR director the inactive list. So those are the players that won't be able to play in the game. So you know, everyone sees the inactives um, that come out on social media. That's actually given to the officials at the 90-minute meeting. So that's, again, a meeting that happens 90 minutes before kickoff. During that meeting, guys, you have the opportunity to go over special trick plays with the officials that may have some nuance rules to it. So this situation was, again, there were two players that reported. And as Brad Allen said, ironically, Only one had a report, which was Taylor Decker, not Dan Skipper. Um, But that's when you actually um, have a board. You could actually – I've been with coaches that actually will draw the play. Um, By the way, this could be on offense, defense. It could be on special teams. Um, I've seen it used in all different ways. Um, But I've seen coaches, like, in, like, great detail go over exactly what they're going to do, why they're going to do it, and why it's complying with the rule – and then what happens is the officials, you know, there's two officials in each locker room. They go back, they go to the referee. The referee's not in that meeting, and they will tell the referee with a degree of specificity, here's what to expect when they do this, here's why they're doing it, and here's why, you know, it's, you know, compliant with the rules. So what Dan Campbell did is totally normal, and it happens each and every week uh, behind the scenes an hour and a half before kickoff. One step further, there's video out there right now. Jared Goff uh, telling Taylor Decker to please go report eligible before the play, and you see Decker walk off to go talk to the refs. Just a total, um, just absolute failure and embarrassment in regards to the NFL and these refs. There's no denying that. Uh, Gentlemen, another big storyline is what's going on with Denver, right? And the fact that Russell Wilson is uh, has been benched for Jared Stidham by Sean Payton. Uh, the reports out there is that. They went to Russell Wilson, asked him to redo his deal where the Denver Broncos would not be on the hook for 30 plus million dollars if he was to get injured at any point in the season. He refused to do so. And therefore now he's getting benched for Stidham. Uh, Sean Payton just got absolutely getting destroyed for this decision. Um, Mike, I just want to go back. Amani, I want to come to you in regard to your your uh, take on, on how you think Russell Wilson is handling this. But Mike, your thoughts as an organization doing this to Russell Wilson, agree or disagree? Yeah, there's a time and place to do it. Um, I don't think this was, this was the right time, but I think there's something that needs to be explained here. We tried to do this the other day on GetUp. This is basically the lottery for Russell Wilson, and here's why. He's owed $39 million next year. So if he plays football, if he plays for Saskatchewan in the CFL, wherever he plays, he's going to make $39 million by the Denver Broncos. If he signs with another team in the NFL, every dollar that he makes with Team X, so let's say it's the New York Giants, and the New York Giants pay him a million dollars, his paycheck will be a million dollars from the New York Giants and $38 million from the Broncos. So he will play for the minimum next year because he'll want the Broncos to pay as much as the $39 million. So when his agent is at the Combine in two months from now, guys, he will be the most sought-after quarterback because wow. instead of paying Russ fill-in-the-blank Kirk Cousins $40 million or, or this quarterback, whatever amount, Russell Wilson will be at the minimum. So now all of a sudden that brings in the Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Saints, There'll be at least 12 teams that say, would you want Russell Wilson at the minimum? Now, if I'm Russell Wilson, I say to myself, where's the best place for me to pull a Baker Mayfield and resurrect my career? And he will be the story of the offseason. Wow, I didn't even think about it like Uh, that. That's a uh, great point. Amani, your take on on Russell Wilson and and him getting benched and, and all the reasons why. 
it's just a, such a weird thing because even in the off season, I know it's been reported, but you know you hear hear things about how when he came in, when Sean Payton came in and heard that he had extra office space or he had extra uh, parking spots for himself. To me, those are things that have nothing to do with football and have nothing to do with anything. But if you're kind of a, uh, um, if this triggers your, 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 your ego, then these are things that you're going to act upon. If it's not something that's going to trigger your ego and, 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 and kind of split your, your perception of power, then you're just going to be like, oh, okay, well, we're just not going to do that anymore. But for him to kind of, for it to be such a, a thing, and also... For him to say, for Sean Payton to say that, uh, this is a point that Ryan, Ryan Clark made, another former teammate of mine, he said, hey, you know, Sean Payton was complaining about how Russell Wilson was acting like a politician when, when you look back at Drew Brees, there's no bigger politician in the league than him in terms of what he did for Katrina and all the stuff that he's done in um in the city of new orleans which is great stuff but it's stuff that he did um you know trying to emphasize his um you know his off the field persona so for it be okay with for with sean payton for it to do for him for drew Brees to be a politician and not for russell wilson that just opens up a big question why and i i don't know russell wilson I've heard good things about Russell Wilson. I've heard bad things about Russell Wilson. I've seen him, seen him play extremely well, and I've seen him struggle. But the fact that they put all this pressure on him this year, asking him to take a pay cut, and then what does he do, just perform better? That's the quarterback that I want. I want a guy that I know that if I put the more and more pressure on him, the better he plays and his play is, in, is upticked in a huge way to get them even back into contention. And then for him, when they, when they got blown out and embarrassed down in Miami, and for Sean Payton to blame Russell Wilson, that to me was like, there were warning signs all over. And I know Sean Payton's a very calculated person. And for him to go off on Russell Wilson on the sideline on multiple occasions, something was wrong. Something was not right. And now to come back and hear that there was a situation where he had to take a pay cut which is ridiculous. Like, why would anybody who negotiated their contract for a certain level with a no trade, with all this stuff, all of a sudden give that up for what? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It was a ridiculous ask. They knew before when they asked him that they were going to get rid of him anyway. And I just want to know why. Do they think they're, do they, have they been watching the rest of the NFL to see how many teams have been struggling? Look at the Cleveland Browns. They've been struggling for years to try to find a, back, a, a, a replacement for Bernie Kosar. It's just, it, it, this quarterback market is nothing to be played with, and I feel like Sean Payton is rolling the dice thinking that he can pull up some aces uh, when many teams around the league have been searching for 30-plus years for a quarterback that they can consider a franchise guy when they have one in Russell well, Wilson. Well, this has been one of the biggest storylines uh, heading into uh, this week's game. He's not and, having again, a bad Jared season. Stidham getting this – Getting getting the start for the Denver Broncos against the Chargers today. Around the league, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple blended, triple distilled, and triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Make sure to grab a Tullamore Dew during today's action. And remember, when it's game time, it is Tully time. Uh, you want to stay tuned. We've got uh, Jordan Renan, who's going to be joining us next. A little preview in regards to the Giants, how they can uh, upset a Rams team trying to make it into the postseason. Uh, they're going to need to win today. And then, of course, if they win next week against the uh, the 49ers, they very well could have a sixth seed as opposed to a seventh seed. So uh, we'll get our report from Jordan Renan on the Giants as well as DeMarco Farr on the Rams. Coming your way next right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, back to New York game day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM New York, ESPN New York. I'm Amani Toomer, joined by Mike Tannenbaum. And now we're going to get to the Jordan Renan Report, brought to you by the Samsung Auto Model, top, Samsung Auto Mall. Top 10 brands, over 2,000 vehicles in one place, Samsung Auto Mall in Woodbridge. Jordan, what we got going this weekend? What, what do you expect for today? Are we going to be able to slow down Puka Nakua 
and find a way for the Giants to pull up, come out victorious? Yeah, this is going to be a tough one, obviously. Uh, it was already, you already have your work cut out for you when you have Puka Nakua and uh, Cooper Cup out there. The Giants are also likely to be without Deontay Banks, who is a rookie who's been their best cornerback this year. So they certainly have their work cut out for him. I think it'll be interesting that you have Tyrod Taylor starting at quarterback. See what the offense looks like with him, although uh, I'm a little concerned still about the interior of the Giants offensive line against Aaron Donald and company. Uh, but clearly a tough game for the Giants. They play hard for Brian Dable, given that. Uh, I think that's what you have to look forward to here and kind of see see what they have uh, in regards to their, some of the younger players moving forward. But let's be honest, they're not only 5 and 10. What are, we, what are we playing for here? <laughs> so, Jordan, just curious, can you take us through what you think the thinking was on the quarterback decision? Yeah, I think the thinking was, okay, so they were obviously frustrated at halftime of the last game. They decided to make the decision to go to Tyrod Taylor. The offense looked better under Tyrod Taylor in the second half. Uh, They were able to do more things. So once that happens, I think she justified to the locker room. Brian Dable then had to stick with Tyrod Taylor this week, even though, like, Tyrod Taylor is gone. So it probably would benefit – Tommy DeVito to at least get more game experience. But in order to justify it, it was like, like why is Saquon Barkley playing right now, right? Um, if you're not going out there and telling them it's because we're giving you the best chance to win the game, that's that potential to, you know, start losing some guys in the locker room. So I think he, at that point, had to stick with Tyrod Taylor. And here we are. It gives the Giants the best chance to win, sure. Well, like I said before, what what is what are we doing here? What is the purpose of these last few games? Uh, is it go all out to win? Is it to develop players? I think you could make the argument in a bunch of different ways, but the Giants are going uh, with their best chance to win, and that's Tyrod Taylor. I think that's kind of how we got here. So when you look at this situation, um, we talked about this earlier in the show, the Giants are going to probably need – two quarterbacks next year. That's what Mike and I kind of, uh, well, Mike suggested it, and I kind of agreed to hear it with him about Why it. Why two? Because you're going to need. Because you don't have any. Yeah. Basically. Who do you have? Where, where's Where's Daniel Jones? You're going to count on he's somebody that's been hurt, hurt, hurt he's, every year of his career to play in 17 games? No, but he's he's going to be one of the guys. They own $35 million next year. He can't. They can't really move off of him. So whether you like it or not, he's one of those guys that's there. I, I mean, no, I can't count on him and say this is my starter. I can't. Ha- I don't have a good contingency plan behind him at the very least. I mean, yeah, absolutely not. You can't go that direction. But you have to count him as one of the guys. See, that's where I think this whole Russell Wilson, Wilson story becomes so fascinating. If I'm the Giants, I'm, I'm calling Mark Rogers, his agent, and I am not getting off the phone without him being a giant. You sign him for a million dollars. Denver pays $38 million. Come on in. Be the starter. Resurrect your career the way Baker Mayfield did in Tampa Bay. Now with Daniel Jones, be at the neck, the ACL. Put him on ice. Let him start the year on PUP. And then draft another quarterback after that. Like, that's the approach Giants should take. They need to scour and just totally readdress that room. And since Russell Wilson is a lottery ticket, being able to sign at the minimum... To me, it all starts with him. Well, here's the thing with Russell Wilson. Whether we agree or not, the reputation that Russell Wilson has created for himself, you know, being sort of of selfish, just just for lack of better words, is that really the guy you want to bring in? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait one second. You said there's a quarterback that's selfish? No. Stop it. These quarterbacks are the team guy guys. Had his own, the guy, the guy <laughs> had his own office, though, man. You know, they gave it like, to him. The defense. The, I get it, but then <laughs> think about the problems that it created, and then forget that. Let's go back to Seattle. That how many teammates in Seattle had problems with him? Right. The defense. They basically, they basically hated his guts. You know, most quarterbacks are the hated, most hated super, players on the team. Super, Jordan, super, you know, super Jordan, Bowl. Jordan, what, what world is this? Super you know, Bowl winning teams. Just, uh, I don't know if, how many teams are going to be willing to do that Jordan, with Russell Wilson. I don't. I don't know him personally. Uh, did, did, did Peyton Manning have his own office and stuff? 
right but wait hold on a second. Let, let, wait hold, hold on a second. jordan let's assume for a second that you're right let's say he's a jackass let's say he's the most hated guy let's say he's all those things that you're saying let's just assume that's true for a second that's irrelevant to what i'm saying what i'm saying is if you're russell wilson and it's 2024 and you look at baker mayfield who plus or minus had similar bumps in the road be it in cleveland at the rams in carolina Baker Mayfield was a journeyman. He was on four. This is his fourth team. My point is, whatever you have in Russell Wilson, you'll get the best of in 2024 because he's going to want to prove Sean Payton wrong. He's going to be on his third team. And that's what's great about the NFL. Like, you can resurrect your career. You can change the narrative. Geno Smith, you don't think there were things coming out of Florham Park about Geno Smith? Look at where his career is today. So you can either look backwards or you could look at it to say, like, I believe in my program. I believe in my coaching staff, and I believe I could get the most out of Russell Wilson, which is a great bridge quarterback because of Daniel Jones's proclivities to getting hurt and turning the ball over and buys me time to go get another long-term solution. And I promise you this, Jordan, because I've run two teams, there will be a dozen teams that will try to sign Russell Wilson because there's at least 12 teams that need a quarterback. And to get him at the minimum, much the way Baker Mayfield was uh, available this year, Russell Wilson will have a market because of his past track record as a player and his ability to play at the minimum next year. And but and by the way, he's it. had and a the, he's for, had a very good value. season this year through regardless of all the off-field stuff. His numbers compare him to Patrick Mahomes, they're pretty similar. So I, I, I that's why that's what makes this decision so so curious is because what should matter, how he's playing on the field doesn't matter. And when you're a general manager and you're starting making decisions off of personality, look, you got guys in these locker rooms from all over the country with different viewpoints on everything. The only thing these players have in common is they want to win football games in many situations. So to get it to make it personal, I think that is ridiculous. I, there's a lot of players that hated probably some of the best quarterbacks that you would ever that you'd ever you know that you've ever heard of. It doesn't matter, though, because it's not a business about everybody being friends and being kumbaya. This is a business about, built upon performance, and all that other stuff doesn't really matter. You'd be on board for this, Tamani? I mean, I'm just – the possibility – I'm saying the possibility is legitimate. And for, not, for you to say the I'm reason why it's intrigued. not legitimate because it's because of his personality, I think that's a, a huge misstep. I didn't say it's not – first of all, I don't see that being the way that the Giants are going to go. Uh, they obviously think more highly, more highly of Daniel Jones than Mike does. We've we've gone over this before, yeah. Right? Whether their whether their evaluation is right or wrong, mm -hmm. it, that we we obviously know that they paid him that contract. But, right. Uh, but Jordan, the, again, it's the context. It's Daniel Jones at thirty-five million dollars or Russell Wilson at a million dollars. Like context is everything when you run a team. That's why. Joe Flacco is a great no, I guy. Get it, that's but you why can't get off the thirty-five million dollars, so that's not that's not an option. I if you could, you could. I I could be. I would be on board with that. But you can't, right? It's not you, Daniel Jones at thirty-five or. But that's Russell why. But, but that's Russell why Wilson having Russell Wilson at a million dollars is even that much more important for the Giants because now you have two quarterbacks for thirty-six months. That's why because since you've overpaid Daniel Jones so much. You need to be opportunistic. It's look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guys. Let's just look at the facts. They have seventy-five million dollars of dead money, and they're going to win the division if they beat the Saints today, because they hit on Baker Mayfield, and that's going to have to be the for a Big number of teams. Deal, Mike. Where are they going? They're not going anywhere. They're not winning a Super Bowl with that team the way they're at at this point. Anyway, would like, you rather be would you rather be the Buccaneers the, than the Jets than the Jets the or the Giants? Is it the where, I'd rather be a team that's more likely to win the Super Bowl, whenever that is. Making making the playoffs as a below average or average team that we saw with the Giants, what that does for you long term. It does that doesn't do you good long term. It's about building a team in my mind to that that gives you the best chance to get to the point of the ultimate goal, which is to win a Super Bowl. Not be like, right. oh, we made the well, playoffs I, I, at but, nine. But Jordan, but you wait a second, you're burying the lead here. Yeah. They, 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 they still have $75 million of dead money. They're more competitive this year than they than anybody expected. They exceeded expectations. That's how you evaluate programs. Did they meet, exceed, or fall short of expectations? I know Tampa Bay is not going to win the Super Bowl, but if I'm a fan of the Buccaneers, I'm encouraged by team played hard in all seven, 18 weeks, 17 games. 
and we're, we're ahead of where we're going to be. And by the way, Baker Mayfield gives us a chance to win games each and every year. Is he a championship quarterback right now? Probably not. But now I could at least hold serve, show up at the stadium, root for a team that has a chance to win that plays hard every week, and then gives me time to develop the next guy. It's a lot better than drafting in the top five. I mean, look, you can look at last year's Giants team. The fact Where's that the they, next guy? That last the year's next Giants guy team, from? they were last year's Giants team was not going to win the Super Bowl. But the fan base, because they played so well, because they exceeded expectations, the fan base is charged up. You can't tell me that the fan base of the Giants is happier this year uh, than they were last year. And both years, we knew, if you were honest with yourself, that both of these teams would not go to the Super Bowl. Or have an big opportunity picture, to really win. Big picture, you can easily make the argument that last year for the Giants set the organization back a year, though, because it created a perception of that they were somewhere where they weren't. True. Right. I think we could all we we would True. all probably agree on that. And True. By the way, but one as thing the, as the conversation we were talking about before with the quarterback, I think the True. most likely scenario is but they tr- draft the quarterback really high, the Giants in the first round, and then they have that guy sitting behind Daniel Jones to start the season ready to come in as the next quarterback so but that's Jordan, why I and ultimately said with Russell Wilson I didn't think that was the way that this organization was likely to go oh I don't think it's likely a way to go that way but it is a good argument that Mike Tannenbaum bring that Mike brings up because it is an option to where um, you are going to get a quarterback at the cheap and you're going to try to mitigate some of the money that you felt that that some people feel that uh, Daniel Jones got overpaid but it, one thing that you're, you're overlooking that the Giants organization got out of last year is stability at the head coaching position. Because if we wouldn't have had, if the Giants wouldn't have had the season that they had this year, I mean last year, this year would be a situation where there, you know, we have another Robert Sala where people are questioning, should Brian Dable be, even be the Giants head coach? That's not even an issue. Everybody understands what Brian Dable can do because of last year. He's got his respect from the organization, from the fan base. So now we can move on to work on some of the pieces of the team as opposed to the entire foundation with Brian Dable and Joe Sheehan. So I feel like you're underestimating what the, the what last year's success meant for the organization. You're assuming that last year was legit and that this year is a fraud, whereas I'm I'm probably in the middle. I'm back to I don't really know. You know, if they, if Ryan Dable is 100% the right coach and have they started rebuilding and have the right foundation? I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably lean towards yes, but they, yes, they had a good year last year and then they, they kind of wiped away all the goodwill and equity they had this year. So to me, it's like we're kind of back at square one. So yeah, you hope that's the case. Uh, and there are some things here that, that I certainly do like. And I think I do, I mean, when Joe Shane, the moves that he makes make sense to me. You know, whereas I couldn't say that about the previous regime. So I do think they are headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But do we really know that, Imani? Do we, or, or was last year kind of a mirage? And maybe maybe it, it fooled us into thinking something that, that wasn't. Well, I think like you, this year kind of went back. Just this year kind of went back and proved, hey, maybe they aren't on the, on the right path, right? Everything everything went wrong this year. Yeah. And we saw how, the roster, how far the roster really is away from competing. So I don't know. No, I agree with you, Jordan. We don't know, but I think the majority of fans are not looking at the coaching staff. They're not looking at the general manager, which I feel like is a big plus. It's seeming as though the last couple coaches only got two years before everybody was calling for them to be out. I think now we're looking more at the players, and I think that's a step forward for the organization. So um, uh, uh, that's the Jordan Renan report uh, brought to you by Sansun. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Uh, for your insight and uh, helping us kind of figure out this bugaboo, which is the New York Giants. Happy New Year's, guys, everybody. Hope everybody had a happy holidays. Happy New happy Year. New I'm Year, Jordan. Happy New Year, conversation, Jordan. guys. Thanks. I am. I'm, I'm enjoying the spirit conversation on a weekly basis for sure. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we got Have another week, one, so let's do it. <laughs> All right, that's the Jordan Renan Report brought to you by Samsung Auto Model. Uh, Auto Mall. I don't know why I keep saying Auto Mall. Anyway, um, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, call Samsung Auto, Model, Auto, Mall, <laughs> Auto Mall at 1-800-SAMSUNG. Mention Bart Scott uh, and benefit from, ex- uh, from the exclusive employee pricing. You pay what they pay. And right now, we're going to throw it over to Anita Marks, who earlier um, this week was al- alongside with Bart, Bart Scott on uh, the Barton Hahn. 
and they spoke with Rams reporter DeMarco Farr. And their first question was, what, what, was, uh, what, changed, what changed with Matthew Stafford this season? You know, I, I think the biggest difference for him is actually the running game with Kyron Williams. Uh, you know, this is the best running game Matthew Stafford has ever had, which is shocking when you think about his career. But uh, Kyron Williams has been on an absolute tear. Three straight games over 100 yards. His offensive line has done a great job. And they are different. This is a different-looking offensive line than there has been in the Sean McVay era. They're big. They're downhill guys. They're nasty. Uh, they finish blocks, and they, they run block well, and they pass protect well. So when you run the football, you get that defense to collapse. You're opening yourself up to number nine and Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. So, and, and you have to double somebody. So those two guys have made mincemeat out of man coverage, and Matthew Stafford can put the ball just about anywhere. So – that's really been the biggest difference. The running game for the Rams has opened up the passing game for Matthew Stafford. I mean, we're, we're probably, what, two seasons from Eptham picks, and, you know, they, they, they gave up a lot to get Matthew Stafford, um, one of the very few trades for a franchise quarterback that has worked out in, in recent history. It paid dividends early on. But how much credit has to go to the picks that they did make? Because we know a lot of these are fifth-round, fourth-round, second-round picks, and – you know, I don't want to call them no names when you look at the defense outside of Aaron Donald, but when you look around this, this this Rams roster, it's not a lot of familiar names that are beginning to make a name for itself. I believe the kid Dotson is one of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Dotson's on the offensive line. They traded for him uh, from Pittsburgh. He didn't fit there. Uh, he comes here, and he's on the verge of being a pro bowl at right guard. But on defense, yeah, the names aren't familiar. And, you know, coming off the FM picks, uh, they did draft 14 rookies, 14 guys this year, and every single one of them made the team, and most of them are making contributions to this season. So Steve Avila is a rookie left guard. He was handed the job day one, and all he's done is get nothing but better. I mean, hasn't missed a practice rep, haven't missed a game rep, uh, been tremendous. On defense, now these are guys that are trying to make names for themselves. Uh, Byron Young is a guy. He's an edge rusher, 4-3 guy at outside linebacker. He's got tremendous speed learning how to pass rush, learning how to be an every-down player because of Aaron Donald. And a guy, I'll give you a name, Kobe Turner. Whenever Aaron Donald decides to retire, we'll be talking about him as the next great Ram defensive tackle. He has been that good. Um, he has been the only guy so far since Aaron Donald has been on his football team to outproduce him at any part during the season. Now, most of that is because Aaron sees a lot of attention, but Kobe Turner uh, has, has been a guy that has made a lot of plays and will continue to make plays here on out. So tremendous guys. Yeah, a lot of young guys uh, making, making their opportunities or getting their opportunities, and they're making the best of them at the same time. Well, let's talk about a young guy who I feel should win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I'm sure a lot of people out there feel that C.J. Uh, Stroud should, and he's expected to come back wow. for the Texans this week. We'll see what happens. But, man, a fifth-round pick out of BYU, and very well at the end of the day, at the end of the regular season, could have the best rookie season of any wide receiver in the NFL. A fifth-round pick, and we're talking about Puka. Um, I, I feel like this this front office knows how to pick their wide receivers, right? I loved Cooper Cup coming out. Sure enough, uh, the Rams went with him. Talk about Puka. Talk about what's so special about him and what the Rams saw in him in this draft. Well, I will never poo-poo a fifth-round receiver ever again because you can find <laughs> stars from just about anywhere. And I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, if you look at Puka Nakua from the neck up, if you saw just a headshot of him like they do in, 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 in press guides, you wouldn't know what position he plays, especially if you stuck a helmet on him. I mean, he is that big. He is that massive up top. So, you know, when he catches a little five-yard out and turns it north and south, you've got a business decision to make as a corner or a safety coming downhill. He will absolutely drop the hammer on you. I think he's the third most penalized player on the Rams right now, and most of these are like when he's trying to block. He's going after you. So a physical guy, he plays fast, plays with a lot of intensity, has learned a lot from Cooper Cup about route running, has learned a lot about offense because of Sean McVay. So uh, a guy they have they, they circled in, in preseason or in training camp, this is going to be our Robert Woods-type player. But I think he's gone beyond that. Uh, he's gone beyond just the end-around type guy. He is a guy that you could say is the number one receiver on the football team. And that's kind of funny with Cooper Cup still standing here, but 
Week in and week out, he is the guy that's making big plays for this offense and yards after catch stuff. So, yeah, and there's a lot left. There's a lot of room to grow for him. So, yeah, I think he's the rookie of the year. We'll see how this this year ends. But either way, he has been fantastic for the Rams this year. Now, we, we, we've, um, you know, had question marks about Aaron Donald, his commitment. You know, he, he, he contemplated retirement. We know when you start talking about retirement, you're closer um, to, to retirement than you are into, you know, going through a great stint. And we, we had the same concerns about Sean McVay. But we all know that sometimes, you know, youth can inject life into you. So how has this team maybe recommitted Sean McVay you know, the fact that he has a, a young piece of clay to kind of mold. He's still only 37 years old, which is crazy, you know. Um, but, you know, how has this new young team kind of reinvigorated, you know, the, the organization, and how close are they or how much of the gap have they closed between San Francisco? You know, the closing of last season, uh, five wins, it wasn't great, and you were finishing up in Seattle. And I remember uh, all the talk was, you know, Coach McVay, Sean McVay may be gone next season. He may jump to TV. So that was weird. This is before the game, before you played Seattle. So, uh, And then we have our little end of the year. We, we do the coaches show every, every Monday with him, and he really did look tired and shot towards the end of the year. So we weren't certain. Um, but he never said he was going to stop coaching. He, he just, you know, you could tell he was tired and maybe a little bit burned out. But uh, he went away, got away from football for a little bit, came back, recharged. He is ready to go. So – um, his departure or leaving the football team, I think, was a little premature. But he was tired coming off the Super Bowl. Uh, and I told Aaron Donald and Andrew Whitworth this while the ticker tape was falling in Los Angeles. When you win a Super Bowl, it's going to feel like you walk straight off a parade float right in the training camp. It's weird. So everyone is tired. The hardest thing to do in sports is defend a Super Bowl championship because the next season starts so quickly. So uh, you knew that was going to take time. But he's back. He's fresh and ready to go. And having Matthew Stafford has got to help. Having one of the best quarterbacks in the league has got to help when you are trying to decide what to do. Aaron Donald, I'm sure, Bart, you played with Hall of Famers before, right? These yeah. guys are different. Uh, Aaron never said he wanted to stop playing. And here's the thing with Aaron. Once you're done, and you know this as a pass rusher, once you're done and say, I, I quit, I'm over, I, I'm, I'm retired, you can't go to the park and rush the passer. You just can't go anywhere and, and get a sack. So the only way to play football is to keep playing football. So Aaron still loves it. He still loves, uh, loves to kick butt. He's still that guy. He still sees a lot of attention. So, yeah, I mean, having people around him that uh, I, I guess are pushing him now is good for him. But, yeah, I mean, both of those guys never ever, ever once thought about retiring. Yeah, we don't have a big three for football. We don't have a, a, no. a retirement league. <laughs> I don't know if the Achilles or 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 a healthcare provider will, will cover that league at all. Bart, I got three plays left in me, and then call the paramedics. <laughs> DeMarco Farr joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESPN, uh, in in works for our ESPN sister station. Uh, out there in Los Angeles. Uh, DeMarco, two more questions from me. Uh, One is this coming week, obviously on Sunday, going up against this Giants team. uh, They're going to roll with Tyrod Taylor. The Rams' playoff hopes still alive, but they need to win. Obviously, it starts this week. Your thoughts on this matchup and and how you think this game is going to play out? Well, I I wanted to see DeVito. (laughs) I really did. Uh, I wanted to see (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, dang, why, why, why do the Rams have to get Tyrod Taylor? Uh, he is an absolute problem. I mean, he gives the Giants the best chance to win. So uh, it's going to be tough. But I still think this is a game that the Rams should win. And I think they're on the way to playing their best game. I, I really do. Uh, it, since Baltimore, that was a confidence boost. You took them to the wire. They beat you on a walk-off putt return. Uh, when have you ever seen that before? So uh, that was a game that got away from them. So I think they're on the path to playing their best game in all three phases, but we'll see. Uh, I think they're hitting their peak at the right time. So I know you have to go to New York. You're playing a team that has nothing to lose, which is dangerous towards the end of the year. But I think the Rams know they, they know what's at stake and they know what they have to do. So um, there's always a danger of a trap game unless you see the trap coming. And I think that's how McVay's coaching. So this is a game they should win, and I think they will win in New York. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, game, it's a dangerous game or it could be homecoming. You'll know in the first first quarter whether the uh, the team that you're playing is start packing their, uh, their U-Haul up and getting ready already on vacation. 
I've seen that before. When I was uh, my second year in St. Louis, we had dudes actually pull up to the dome in U-Haul. I thought that was a joke. That was real. <laughs> Guys are getting ready to go on vacation. But look, if you let them hang around, if you give them hope, right. they will fight exactly. you for quarters. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's some listeners out there going, St. Louis, yes, there was actually the St. Louis Rams before they were back out <laughs> in L.A. And they were the L.A. Rams. Uh, last question for you, DeMarco, and that is bigger picture here, right? Okay, so uh, the Giants are up now, but week 18, this is a Rams team. Sean McVay going up against his very good friend Kyle Shanahan. Um, and that week 18 game, really significant for the Rams to have an even better seed. They potentially can get the sixth seed as opposed to the seventh seed if they win in week 18 and upset the apple cart, throw the 49ers off of their perch with the number one seed, allowing that door to open for either the Eagles or the Detroit Lions. Um, Are you expecting this Rams team to put their best foot forward? Let's say assuming we're all assuming they beat the Giants this week. Are you expecting all systems go week 18 against the 49ers? You know, good question. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I would rather avoid, you know, the 49ers first team if possible, but that's just my mentality. That's what I'm thinking as a broadcaster, as an analyst. But I bet coaching staff, players, player-wise, they want to face San Francisco again. You almost had them week two back in September. Uh, if, if Kyron Williams doesn't let one go through his hands and get it picked off uh, right before the half, that's a different ball game. And even with that, they still beat you by seven. Uh, so they know you're there. They know you're knocking on the door. So who knows? This could be the year. But this rivalry with San Francisco is tough. Um, but if you can avoid Christian McCaffrey, if you can avoid Kittle, if you can avoid Debo, then so be it. I hope that they have everything wrapped up. But wouldn't this be special if you can upset the apple cart and then send Matthew Stafford back to Detroit to take on the Lions and Jared Goff? Wouldn't that be something? You just, want my dad, you, you just want my dad to have acid reflux. Let, let my father have nice things, man. <laughs> Come on. Listen, he, he, that was the biggest game in the world. <laughs> he, he thought my dad my dad, dad thought he had a locked up. He was going to finally be able to digest his stuff in and, on Thanksgiving, and, and the Lions got the ass kicked, man. He, my dad was drunk by 12 o'clock. Um, well, tell dad I'm sorry. But, look, look, that's what we're hoping for. But if you can avoid San Fran, I would do that you know, their first unit. But either way, uh, with their backups, they're still going to try to beat you. There's a hatred between both teams. And if they could, you know, upset the apple cart for both squads, both will try to do it. But, yeah, if if I had my druthers, I'd rather San Francisco, you know, rest their starters and get ready for the playoffs. But we'll see how this plays out. All right, I want to thank DeMarco Farr for joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Always great uh, when he joins the program, and I had such a great time filling in for Alan Hahn this week, the Barton Hahn Show. Make sure you tune in Monday through Friday from noon to 3. Quick break. We come back. It's time for Locks of the Week. Went 2-1 and one again last week. So uh, we're, we're sitting at 62%. What does that mean? We're helping you win some money. Hopefully we can do the same again this week. Stay tuned. Hour 3 next, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.